Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcasts. Finally, we've got the first episode of the football season here for you. JT Van Gilder is with us. JT, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Luke. And we're really happy to have Matt Hall, editor of K-State Online. Matt, how you doing? Good, man. I thank you guys for having me on. I, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, yeah. Always good to talk with you. You know, love the stuff you guys are doing. Uh, and, and one thing that I'm sure people have noticed is, is there's a lot more videos. There's a lot more interviews. There, there's a lot more practice. You know, how has that changed your coverage with just so much more information coming out of Kansas State? I think you're the first person to ask it like that, and that's really interesting because it has changed it a lot. It, it's changed it from when in the past, you know, the last couple of years, we, we had to read between the lines a lot more and probably insert our opinion a lot more to make things interesting or unique, you know, because perhaps, you know, if it was Coach Snyder and stuff, they weren't going to just tell you a lot. So you had to try mm-hmm. to fight to learn a lot behind the scenes and then relay that in a way that was respectful and didn't burn sources and that kind of thing and and now with how it is and them being so direct and and forthright like you said allowing practices and so many different assistants to speak and injury information now my job I feel almost is more like just record and write down everything they say and put everything out there and then let people make their own opinions and I know that sounds really corny and really like you know what I'm saying but yeah. it, that's what it feels like my job is now. It's like I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel as much pressure to try to formulate an opinion and tell people. Not that I ever want to tell people how to think, but like if I wasn't doing that in the past, it almost wasn't interesting because Bill Snyder wasn't going to tell you how he thought. Really, you know what I mean? And now that you have all these guys telling you what's going on with these players, like I'll just let Joe Klanderman tell you what he thinks of the Nickelback. I don't have to tell you. You know what I mean? And I think that's the biggest difference. And I think it's interesting to see people people just formulate their their own opinions because that's what I think the staff lets them do. Yeah, when I was, I was kind of curious too, and you said you just kind of put out everything, but I mean, do you ever? Like, I'm sure Bill Snyder was. Oh, Bill Snyder says something; it's important because he doesn't say very much. But do you ever think right. there's a danger of reporting too much? Like, maybe all this stuff's not that interesting. Yeah, yeah, yes, I do wonder at some point. Yeah, like I mean, if and, and I think K State wonders that too. At some point, if it's a regular, you know, so we're not even into a game yet, right? Um, and it's early mm-hmm. August and we're going to have a practice and that's great. You know, and I appreciate that. And then we're going to have another press worth climbing and then we'll have a Tuesday deal and a Friday deal. That's awesome. That's all great. But the question is, yeah, you know, is it necessary or is it helpful, whether it's to the program or, or to a reader or to the site or whatever? Yeah. Is it necessary to put out, you know, three days worth of, uh, no, I'm just making an example up, you know, three days worth of Van Malone quotes, you know, I mean, that yeah. kind of thing. And yeah, you do wonder if, if, if I'm not going to, you know, narrow some of that down or pare it down for readers or for people, yeah, is that the right thing to do? And so I'm trying to do some stuff differently with that to, to give both, like, hey, here's literally everything, and then here's a short version of what happened. But I think it's a good question because at some point, if you have everything, nothing special anymore. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so that's something to, to think about for sure. I think, you know, right now we're kind of in that, in a fun period where, I mean, all of this is so new to K-State fans that <laughs> that all of it right. is good, no matter what it is. I mean, Oh, cool. Van Malone sneezed at practice. Oh, we better write about it. Right. You know, we, we never knew that before. Like, oh, crap, we got something from practice. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like you said, you know, we even here at, at Bringing the Cats, we had, you know, that was kind of a feature of the, like, the Big 12 media days. It was, you know, decoding what right. coach yeah, I said. I exactly. I know what you're talking about. Yep. And, and you know, it's like, well, what, what does he actually mean by <laughs> by this inane comment? And And now we get yeah, it's it's unfiltered. It's it's and a lot of it's like drinking from a fire hose right now. Yeah, but yeah, I, but you just but K State fans it. are just eating yeah. it up, and that exactly. newness will wear just, off. But 
but for now it's it's great no and you and you just nailed it that's exactly drinking from a fire hose is a great way to say it and we love all of it and you're right eventually you know they're going to lose a couple of games and they're going to do things that people think's dumb because that's what we as you know media and fans do um <laughs> and then yeah that'll be the true test of how that reacts but you're right i mean it's totally different now and it is fun and i and i really enjoy it but you nailed it too and it's just interesting to me is and this is not me you know, taking passive shots at both sides, not what I'm doing, but you're right. The job has changed so much. We went from having to say, well, what does this mean? You know, to where Chris Kleiman just says, oh, Cody Fletcher is going to miss two weeks. He'll miss the first game, maybe the second game, and then we'll see. You know what I mean? And we're like, well, what, do I do? what do I do now? What's my job? You know what I mean? Like you just told me exactly what's going on. So what do I don't have to, I don't have to decipher anything. So what's my job now? You know, and it's, and it's just kind of funny to me how, how that, how different that feels. Well, even from a, rivals standpoint like the recruiting stuff isn't so wildly secretive like it maybe right. used to be and and you right. got coaches on you know on social media putting you know things out like you know like oh all the the emoji things that uh yeah. within uh, the rules we should say yeah right, right. <laughs> but like uh that oh, crap the riley the online coach yeah, what's his, you think what's his last name? Connor Connor <laughs> Riley. Yeah. God, I have like, <laughs> like went into this black zone. I don't know what happened. It happens. But like he was putting out, you know, emojis for each recruit when they were committing, uh-huh. and you know, it's it's just it's fun now. Oh, Man, and my, again, like that newness is, is going to wear off eventually, but for now, it's still all fun. Yeah. My, my favorite one of those, just personally, was we were. I was in Atlanta for a rivals convention and you know, it's not, people can figure it out. We're pretty fortunate to, to the most part, know who commit, who's committing before it gets announced. And that's of course how we're able to have a story right away and that kind of stuff. But once in a while, we really don't, I mean, we really don't. And Will Howard, you know, you referenced some of those Connor Riley tweets. Like we knew there was a commit, but we didn't know, we didn't know who it was. We didn't know it was Will Howard. And then like, you know, like anybody else, I saw that tweet and I just immediately sent a group text like that says, you know, like Philly cheese state quarterback of oh, Will Howard, you know, and you get so excited <laughs> and you're that's so clever. It's totally legal. I mean, what they're doing and that's That couldn't be more different either, but that's just, yeah, it's really fun to follow right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Cody Fletcher. I was going to go even further with that is that, you know, you guys knew to ask the question because you went to practice and saw him in a boot and even that wouldn't have happened. Right. Under the right. Those team. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and that's a funny story too. So it's happened kind of twice. The first practice session, we all went uh, – it wasn't even a practice session. It was the post-practice interview. And we saw Adam Harder, you know, leave mm-hmm. on a cart. And it was like – it's almost we are so used to, like, thinking we're not supposed to know that stuff. <laughs> that, and it's almost, it's almost embarrassing to admit, as a group of media, I think all of us ignored it. I mean, yeah. and I think, it, I think it finally got to the point where one of us, me or Derek, I, uh, I don't remember which one, probably Derek, like, texted somebody and said, hey – we we have to be honest, like we all saw Adam Harder on the cart, you know, what's going on. And then we found out, you know, he, he was out for the season and reported that. But the funny thing is, I mean, like, it's not funny. I mean, it's a terrible situation for Adam Harder. But right. like any other media place in the world would have jumped on that, you know, like something I probably shouldn't say, you know what I mean? And yeah. But we didn't because we're so used to thinking we're not supposed to know that. And even Cody Fletcher, like I saw it and I remember like kind of nudging Derek and said, hey, Cody Fletcher's in a boot. And I'm thinking, why am I not reporting that? You know, like I'm, I, they let me in here. They know I see it. They don't mind, but I'm still not, I'm not just going straight to saying Cody Fletcher's in a boot. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's so different how you can get trained, you know, you know, how to do things over a period of time. Well, and so I wonder, I was thinking about that. Um, and when I, when I for the Rams and I think a lot of NFL players are like this, they, 
let you go out and watch the practice, but like during the practice, you're not supposed to tweet. Do you yeah. have any rules yeah. like that? Not, re- not really. I've been to practices that have. I mean, yeah. I've gone to K-State practices in basketball when they've asked me, hey, just don't tweet. You know, don't live tweet, don't put stuff on the boards. They've asked that. Yeah. I mean, okay. they, they, I'm sure I would guess. I don't even know this. I didn't ask. Okay. They probably would tell us no live streaming, I would imagine, like oh. if somebody tried to just live stream the whole practice. But yeah. they haven't even said that. You know what I mean? So, no, I mean, so the last one, and this is not just to, like, plug the site, but – we went there. We had 21 minutes open practice, and I told Flanders, just record all 21 minutes and put it up. Don't edit it. Just put 21. And they let us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we recorded the entire thing, and they let us put it up. So I don't think they have any real restrictions, I guess. So I would guess if I said, hey, can I run this on my Twitter for 20 minutes? They'd probably say no. But <laughs> but other than that, I just don't think they I don't think they care. You know, I think they, they're smart enough to know that there's nothing they're going to do in those 20 minutes that if some assistant coach at Nichols, you know, sees <laughs> That they're uh-huh. going to say, hey, did you see Matt Hall's Matt Hall's Twitter? That White King Gill in the slot. I think we have to adjust their game plan completely. And you know, what I mean, they're just like, uh, I'm not trying to make fun of the situation, but like they know that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Right. And um, they're just pretty smart about it. Right. Okay. So I guess kind of going off of that, then I'm going to ask you to try to say your opinion here. And this is something that I mean, the coaches. Any coaches will do it's not whether it's not Eric Kleiman. They're gonna say nice things about oh guys are looking great, these position groups are looking great. So what right. preseason optimism do you believe and which Ooh. which parts are you more skeptical about? That's a I mean, I'm not just gonna say great question to everything you guys say, but like that's a great question because we've had that conversation. I mean almost and, and my short answer is I don't know. Because like we've had that talk as a staff where we say, like, I believe Chris Kleiman, like I buy him as sincere and genuine and not feeding us full of stuff. But he does say everybody's great. You know what I mean? I mean, like, uh, he, he's not critical of position groups. And so it does lead me to think I've got to wait. Not that I don't believe him. I think he's doing the right thing to coach. Just like you guys said, every coach is going to say that. We're not criticizing him. But I have, I don't yet have – with Bill Snyder, you, you, like you talked about earlier, JP, like you could start to think about trying to read between the lines on certain things. And this means this. And I know he said this, but this means this. Like, we don't know any of those things for climbing yet. So it's a long answer, like a really good short question, but like, I don't know. I mean, like, there's some things I have, we could talk about for sure. And I'm sure we will about my own opinion, like you said, around certain players, positions or what I really think, but there's nothing that climate has said that I can say, man, I think he's, I don't think that's real from him, you know, or that sounds like code for this position's a problem. So there's nothing he said that I'm going to like pick on, you know, particularly, but yeah, there's definitely own opinions I have that maybe would, you know, be different than what's been said by a coach or something publicly. Okay. Kind of a cop out. All right. All right. Exactly. No, like, like something you said though, you know, made me think like, yeah, he's, he's talking great about every player, but it, and it does feel genuine. I mean, those guys know, in practice when they're not doing something right or, you know, when right. they're screwing up or they're behind, but you know, the coach has got their back publicly and it feels right. genuine. It's not like, right. Oh, he's just blowing sunshine to, to try to keep on these guys. Good side. Like it feels genuine. Like he, he just seems right. like a genuine guy. Anytime he says guy's great. It's like, Oh, well, you know, that, that exactly. feels like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what. I, that's how I feel. It's like when he says, when we ask, "Hey, Adam Harder goes down," and he's like, "It's really sad. Adam's a great guy. We miss him." But man, next minute up, we got we got a lot of great options there. We've got tons of guys. We've got time to fix it. We've got time to solve it. I'm like, well, you know, that sounds pretty reasonable. You know, I mean, I guess he's like, you know, I guess something I'm really worried about. He makes it sound like it's going to be okay. So I'm just like you, like I believe him. But then I'm thinking, like, this can't all. It can't all work out or these guys are going, you know, 14-0 and win the national championship. Like, they can't, you know what I mean? They can't all be 
this good. But I mean, I think, yeah, but I buy it when he says it. I believe that he means it. Yeah, that's good. And I think actually just, just popped in my head. I don't know. It's a little bit of a contrast maybe to, to Bruce Weber, who's a little bit too honest sometimes right? about injuries and stuff. And you, you wonder if he has faith in his guys. And I think, I think the guys trust him. It's not a big deal for the players, but sometimes it's a, it's a weird look from him. Yeah, it's, it, 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 I was thinking of Bruce Weber actually in the last part of this too, because like as awkward and you know as, as Bruce Weber is with a lot of the things like he says or that kind of stuff, yeah. um, or the way he says things. Like his players have the impression, just like they're climbing, that he will do anything to distract from mistakes they make. Meaning mm-hmm. when Bruce Weber says like, and I this isn't me speculating, like this is stuff Chris Lowry's told me or that kind of stuff. Like it's intentional when Bruce Weber goes into a post game after Barry Brown's gone two of thirteen. And he says some he makes some ridiculous excuse about how a little travel time they had. He knows when he says that that's all the media is going to talk about, and no one's going to say, "But what about Barry Brown going for two for thirteen today?" Because the media never gets to that then, because he said something so ridiculous about uh, this excuse. So I mean, in a totally different way, like his players know the same thing about climbing. Like, yes, in practice, he's going to go off on them. I mean, and he does, but publicly, he's going to let none of the heat go on them. Yeah, just I mean, you know, like. Like we talk about on, I know I talk about on the brand of the cats board. I've seen it on the case town line board, like fans rag on the play hard chart. Right. <laughs> he talks about he it after it. every game and like, you know, <laughs> yep. well, he only scored five points, but man, he did so well on the play hard chart. And that's all we <laughs> exactly. talk about is the play hard chart. And we all think we're making fun of him, right? Because Bruce loves <laughs> to play hard chart again. And when he is the one who got us, because none of us, like you said, are talking about that kid's performance. We're all saying, but Bruce brought up play hard. You know, and so, I mean, it's funny because, yeah, he's more clever than I think people give him credit for sometimes. Playing 3D chess, as I say. Right, right. <laughs> All right, so let, let's talk position battles a little bit. Uh, fortunately, we don't have to talk about quarterbacks this year. That That's really right. nice. But um, talk about the, the, the running backs. I mean, there's a lot of guys in there. It seems like James Gilbert is kind of the leader. But, you know, yeah. if you had to make a guess on, on percentage of carries guys are going to get, what would that look like? That's a great way to ask it. I think over the course of the season, I still think Jordan Brown may end up getting more carries, but I'm less confident in that than I was two weeks ago because I kept, you know, this by this point, I kind of thought he would have passed James Gilbert. I don't think he has. So now I'm starting to quit second guess myself. But I guess I would say something like, oh, I'll have to do the math in my head too, like 35% to Gilbert, 30 to, or excuse me, 35 to Brown, 30 to Gilbert. So you're at 65, maybe 15 for Trotter, you're at 80, 10 for Irvin, you're at 90. And then the rest to, you know, Tyler Burns, you know, just guys like that. So something like that. I don't, I don't think you're going to see anybody get to 50 or 60, but I would think you would see Brown and uh, Gilbert get a significantly higher amount than a Trotter, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's probably how I think they would try to do it throughout the year. Okay. And then just along with that, can you give us some peace of mind and confirm that Skylar Thompson is going to run the ball out less this season? Yeah, I think you should feel confident that he that he that he won't. I mean, they, you know, they did run Easton Stick. I mean, the one game I went to last year was the game in Fargo, of course, for the national title, and they ran Easton Stick like twenty times in that game. But that was a unique circumstance. It was the national championship game, that kind of stuff. They didn't run him at all. I mean, hardly at all before that. And he was a good athlete. So I think you should feel confident that they're not going to. And if they do. You know, it's going to be designed stuff to the perimeter to get him out of bounds and that kind of stuff. I don't think you're going to see a ton of QB power, you know, with Skylar Thompson. If you do, though, man, that'd be something It's not going to be like a focus of the offense unless (laughs) maybe the opponent dictates like, oh, hey, Skylar's getting 20 yards of carry every time. Let's just keep giving him the ball. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's a good thing, too. 
Yeah, that's a good thing too. That, I mean, if they if they're going to absolutely disrespect something, yeah, they do have it that they can do. But you're right. Yeah, it's not going to be the the goal of the offense. Right. I just needed to hear that out loud for. Yeah, I feel you. I understand. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, I mean, let's go back. You mentioned Adam Harder. I know uh, Bill Snyder team losing a fullback would have been a, a real cause for alarm. Um, it right. seems like Clemens not super worried about it. You know, what's the impact of that? You're right. He did not come off. I mean, and again, and that's not to dismiss what he thinks of Adam Harder. I know how much he cares about that. But he didn't come off as being as gloom and doom as – and I may be overhyping Adam Harder. I just really like him. I think he's one of those guys who's six two, but he looks like he's six four, so like maybe he has long arms. I think he's like an ideal eighth back for this offense. And so I remember thinking, man, Adam Harder is going to be a great fit for this. And then I got a chance to talk to a couple of guys, you know, without the cameras on. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you mean about Adam Harder for this? And they're like, absolutely. He is a perfect fit for us, you know, this kind of stuff. And so I was – I do think it's a relatively big loss just because I think he would have been used as an H-back more than a fullback and have been used in the passing game. But in the reality, you're right. Like, I mean, it's not it's not going to be a guy like, you know, uh, I don't want to bring up be, be Lazy and say Winston Dimmel, but I'll say Winston Dimmel, you know, who who's going to be on the field every snap and potentially a focal part of the offense, but at least a guy's on there every play. Even if Harder was the starting fullback, and he was, as much as they're going to move those guys around at tight end, fullback, and H-back, he might have played 40% of the snaps, you know, 35, something like that. I mean, maybe I'm a little bit low. But anyway, you're right. Your points are right. Like, it's not a guy that all of a sudden you've lost somebody who's going to build for 80 snaps and a focal point of your offense. I don't think it changes the season. But I think he was a good, a good player, and it was a piece I wish they had. Right. And so I guess the position I'm probably most worried about is, is wide receiver. You know, Isaiah Zuber and Hunter mm-hmm. Ryzen left a while ago, and Dalton Schoen's got to be the lead guy there. And then behind it, there's not a, there's some potential, I think, certainly, but, but yeah. not a whole lot of experience. You know, how dire is that situation right now? I would be with you if I was going to rank. We had we did we did a little bit a little a short pod today, and I said, yeah, if I was going to wear out a position, probably wide receiver, and and it's because. There is potential, but I mean, uh, you know, Joshua Youngblood, who the true freshman for Tampa that we talk about a lot and everybody talks about a lot, I still think he's going to play this year. I'm not trying to pump the brakes on him, but I am, I guess that I am to an extent. I went from thinking this guy's playing 12 games and going to be the number four receiver, number three. To now I'm like, okay, he might be a bit player for a while, you know, until he, until he gets in. But I mean, he's exciting. Chris Heron sounds like he's been really, really good in camp. You know, the quarterback from Houston is going to play really, he's really basically a receiver now. But, again, I'm not sure that he's ready to help this year. Keen Garber, I still am excited about. Another true freshman of Lawrence, who I still think is going to have a really good career, but he's not ready to play. He's really just physically small right now. I mean, so that's the thing. Because the guys at the top, Dalton Schoen, is, is a different receiver than people think he is. He's actually a more of a big play guy than a possession guy. I mean, he puts more balls on the ground than people think he does, and he's faster. I mean, he, you know, he's the opposite of the stereotypical belief of what he is. And then you've got Wyking Gill, who had a, a great spring, but I've been told he's leveled off quite a bit in camp. I think all of us think Malik Knowles has a chance to be really good, and I think he's had a good camp. But, I mean, I'm rambling on it now. But, yeah, I've just had a lot of guys, so I say not ready, not ready, you know, uh, inconsistent, not a great fall camp, and then Malik Knowles. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it, I feel I share, I share similar concerns. Mm-hmm. But then, Maybe something where we see even, you know, more of that that early use of the, of the new redshirt rule right. this year. Like, a lot of those guys see an action against – Nichols and Bowling Green just to see you know if any one of them will can catch fire and then maybe come back to them later if needed and they're going to be they're going to be really diligent about that like they are going to it's the kind of stuff you wish the last half would have said they were doing and they probably were but you just didn't hear it I mean you know they're going to have notes you know every week they're going to go over notes on their redshirt players and look at it just like what you said and said hey you know 
and I'm not saying they're going to do that exact scenario, but they might say, you know what, you're right. Let's get Chris Aaron and Youngblood in the game these two weeks, even though they're seventh and eighth on the depth chart, because if we lose one guy, we're going to need one of those guys in week six. By the, so, so they will make intentional decisions like that. And it, some will work and some won't. But, I mean, like, they're going to do stuff like that. And that's encouraging, I think. And it will give them a chance to find some guys like that that can help, that can help them out that, that maybe didn't in the past. And then, you know, the other thing, maybe, maybe they'll get some help from, from K-State actually throwing to tight ends. You know, that's something we joke about a lot. Like, oh, right. is able to throw to a tight end? But, you know, is, is K-State going to do that enough to where that joke becomes stale? <laughs> no, I mean, I hope so, man. I mean, like, and I've made that joke a million times, too. You know, I, I always laugh at that, and the double yeah. tackle always gets me to laugh, you know. And, uh-huh. I mean, and I can't remember the exact stat, but I, I, I did some numbers and stuff. And, and it's something like this. Last year, North Dakota State, I want to say, like, 20 or 21% of their completions went to fullbacks and tight ends. Hmm. And at K-State, it was 4%. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, so that's so – we weren't crazy. You know, like people, when you think you're not throwing to the tight end, like they're really not throwing to the tight end or fullback. So if, you know, if that um, ratio holds true, we'd be seeing it five times more this year than we did in the past. So it would feel like a lot, and I think it's possible. I don't know if they're going to throw 20% of their passes, you know, to tight ends, but they might. I mean, it's absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you imagine well, if people's minds are going to explode, like the first time <laughs> Nick Leonard catches a 40-yard seam ball for a touchdown, and people are going <laughs> to just think, we could have done this for the last 10 years. Like, you're every fan. I mean, I'll say it too. Every person is going to have that take immediately on Twitter, you know? Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, uh, let's, let's move over to defense before we do. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. Okay, so moving over to the defense, let, let's start off with the linebackers. You know, it seems like some people always complain about it. Like there's not enough speed. There's not enough athleticism at the linebacker position. Um, it seems like right now the three main guys are going to be Elijah Sullivan, Daquan Patton, and Daniel Green. You know, will they look more a- athletic and be able to cover more of the field than, than in the past? I think I think so, and I think those were a lot. I think a lot of times they were fair criticisms, you know, for the athleticism and that kind of stuff. I think a couple of times they weren't. Like this is a random topic, but I think a guy. Oh, I mean, there was a couple of guys who were better athletes that people gave him credit for. I think he played linebacker recently, but for the most part, it was an issue. And I think these three guys do have that. But they're also not elite. I think we trick ourselves into looking at like Daquan Patton's like build, which is basically perfect. I mean, he looks fantastic, and think, oh, that means this guy runs a you know a four six, and he has a thirty eight inch vert, and all this kind of stuff. And I don't think he's that kind of guy. I think he's probably like I bet Jade Kirby would beat him in a forty yard dash, and is probably a better athlete, you know, than Daquan Patton for an example. So so I think people trick themselves. They see the great build. They see the single-digit jersey numbers. They see, you know, all the muscles and think these guys are great athletes. I don't think K-State has great athletes at linebacker, but they are better than they have been in general. And I don't think you're going to see a situation where you're just watching and thinking, man, linebacker X or linebacker Y just cannot keep up with that guy. Like, we did see that at times in the past, you know, in the past few years. And I think we'll see some, you know, not always great play necessarily from that unit, but I don't think we're going to have those same concerns. Okay. Okay. You know, something I saw kind of expanding into the overall defense alignment, but something I saw in the, the spring showcase uh, yeah. was more liberal use of safeties in what would be more of a traditional linebacker role, like like shifting yep. players down. And uh, I saw one formation, it almost looked like a 4-4, but Two of the you know the linebackers, quote unquote, were safeties like Jonathan Alexander on one side and Wayne Jones on the other with Denzel yeah. Goolsby playing deep. 
but it looked like a I like an old school four four look, and I was like, wow, that's I'm, impressive. That's crazy. I remember that exact formation because I remember me and Nelson sitting in the press box, and I said to Nelson, like, you know, Alexander's outside linebacker, and then he looks over and he's like, well, no, is Wayne Jones an outside? I mean, like, one because like you're right, there's like four safeties, and it looks like a four four. We're like, which one of these guys? You know, what I mean, we're trying to identify which one is which, and you're right, like that was absolutely fascinating. And then they're going to play basically a safety at nickel. You know, I mean, now with Jaron McPherson, so. I think you're going to see some formations that if you wanted to be a football nerd about it and argue, you might say, yeah, they say that guy's a nick, you know, nickel on on the on the you know on the roster on the depth chart or a safety. But yeah, you could probably argue that you're seeing some four four or forty six or stuff like that if you really wanted to you know debate positions and that kind of stuff because I think that will be fun to see and I, that's cool that you saw that because that was the one that stood out to me that we couldn't identify like is Jonathan Alexander an outside linebacker or a safety or a, or a nickel here? It was just it was interesting stuff. And then, so um, kind of along that theme with the defense, I think the, the thing that most people are really excited about is when Van Malone talks about the cornerbacks are going to be playing a lot more aggressive and tightening up. You know, people have been complaining for years about the bend but don't break defense. Uh, how different is that going to be? Yeah, you're right. Totally different. I mean, just from a, you know, like a nerdy technical perspective, like K-State played quarters, you know, forever. And, so, I mean, the job of the two corners and the two safeties was just don't let anyone get behind you. You know, so they're going to they, have, they divide the field in fours. So no one gets behind you. So basically you're playing four deep safeties, you know, on all these pass wraps with no man kind of no real man coverage like underneath. And, this, you know, this new staff, more of a cover two Tampa two system to where the corners now are responsible for the flats. So if you're responsible for the flat instead of, you know, playing as, as a deep, you know, deep quarter safety type position, basically, you have to be near the line of scrimmage. And so that's going to force some situations where they can look like they're playing bump and run but they're really just playing cover two, or they could play bump and run and play more physical. I mean, I'm sure we're still going to see times where they're eight yards off the line of scrimmage because that's what down and distance dictates. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think that's just I don't think that's just Van Malone saying it because he knows fans want to hear it. That is more the style they play, and I think that's going to yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch, you know, absolutely. And just like the tight end thing, the first time somebody you know makes a big stick on a third and four pass right in front of the chains, people are going to lose their minds. Yeah. saying, why couldn't we be doing that for the last you know the last eight years? Yeah. But then I guess, I mean, on the flip side of that, that does K-State have the cornerbacks to do that? And could that be a problem yeah. with some of these explosive Big 12 offenses? I don't know. I mean, uh, I think I think it could be. Like, uh, I think A.J. Parker is really pretty good. And I think the staff, I think the staff team thinks he's a star. Like, I think they really believe that he's a big-time player. And those guys do know about corners and DBs. I mean, the, you know, they, yeah, there's some FCS guys there, but Scotty Hazelton has coached you know, at the highest level. Van Malone is coach. So those guys coaching back there, like they know what they're talking about for sure. Um, they think he's a star. Uh, and I, I could buy that. Like I really like him. And I think Walter Neal, I just think he's a great nickel. You know, I don't, I don't love him on the corner myself, but you know, they, they do. And I think he's a good player, whether it's, you know, whether it's a great fit for his position, I don't know, but I know he's a really good player. Um, and then like, kind of like receiver, like you talked about earlier, there's some guys behind it who I'd say, man, like Logan Wilson's going to be good. Lance Robinson's going to be good. Um, Will Jones is going to be good. And you get these guys that I feel good about, but just not yet. So I don't know. It's going to take those top guys to be pretty good. Guys like Keegan McGee and Daryl Patterson to really up their game. And I and I think they can, but I do worry. Yeah, if they have the corners that are necessary for, you know, for this kind of system. But we'll we'll find out for sure. Yeah. And so I guess you know maybe one thing that would certainly help the cornerbacks is that there's some high hopes for this defensive line. You know, do you expect Reggie Walker to live up to that all-big 12 billion and billing and, and could even maybe guys like Trey Deshaun and, and Wyatt, Wyatt Hubert have a chance to reach that level? 
I think they do. And, you know, I, I, I don't like, you know, hating on anybody. And I don't hate on Reggie Walker. He's a very good player. But I, I immediately thought when I saw that all big 12 team, I, thought, I mean, I voted for Wyatt Hubert. I'm not sure if I was talking about who I voted for and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, my ballot didn't have Walker on it. It had Wyatt Hubert. So I was surprised when he was. Cause I think, and it's not crazy that Reggie Walker is a first-team All-Big 12 selection. Like, that's not offensive or crazy or wrong. Like, I get it. And he could live up to that. But I felt, I would have felt more comfortable suggesting that, he, that Hubert would. I thought, you know, I know they loved him as a true freshman. You know, two years ago that staff did and considered playing him. And then last year I thought they, were, they waited too long and they asked him to do too much. I mean, if you go back and watch when Hubert was starting at end, he was on every coverage unit, on every special team, and they weren't doing that with their other starters. But he still played well. I thought he was still really good last year. He's, he looks fantastic. I just think, yeah, if there's a player that I was going to gush about, it'd be him. I think he's going to have a fantastic season. Um, I think Reggie Walker uh, could live up to that, you know, I, I, but I think he's going to be more of, you know, six, seven sack, pretty solid kind of player. And like you said, Trey Deshaun, I think he's a guy probably underrated a little bit. I think he's a better player than – then I give him credit for, and I probably fall victim to, oh, look at his numbers and that kind of stuff. But he's a D-tackle. He does push the pocket. He does, you know, he does win his one-on-one matchups. And I think I need to understand, you know, that he's, he's a better player. And he could be an all-Big 12 kind of guy, too. Um, those are three really good guys to have up on that, that front line. Mm-hmm. Okay. Climbing and the staff seem to be, you know, pretty high on several of the younger guys on the interior. I know they mentioned Eli Huggins and Tua whatever his last name is. Yep. Oh, no, that's Matthew. Pull a Matt, <laughs> yeah, player I, and the I coach messed Matthew. up. God. Right. No, yeah. What's going on? No, well, <laughs> well it's, it's hard to, it's hard to sometimes to keep Tua talking about pull a mouth, you know? I mean, like, right. all, 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 all cleared up. But you're right. Like you said, there are, Eli Huggins is a guy, I think he's a sophomore. You know, we haven't talked about a ton up until the last few weeks who I, they really like. Drew Wiley's still just a true junior, the most random, you know, use of a true freshman season ever for that guy and uh but I mean so those are two guys like you mentioned Matthew Palomau Jalen Pickle is a wonderful just physically you know like I mean I've watched him play like real football I mean you know, in, a, in a big 12 game or anything like that but freshman Richard freshman Cimarron looks great so yeah that's another spot where they do have young guys you know that they're excited about and they really want to rotate people on the on the D line so like the, you know the situation you suggested earlier with receivers I could see them looking at playing you know maybe not in game one but maybe game two one of those guys gets on the field, maybe it's Matthew Polamau or maybe it's, I don't know, Jalen Pickle more, and then they decide if they want to use – Pickle's already redshirted. But, you know, use them more late in the season. I think it's another position where they may try to take advantage of that some of that young depth late in the season. Mm-hmm. So the next thing I want to say is, you know, and then the, the last couple of years maybe it declined a little bit, but, but obviously a staple of Snyder teams was special teams. Can yep. we expect that to remain elite? You know, should we be worried about a, a fall-off there at all? See, I, I, I yeah, I, I think K-State fans, it's an interesting question because I think K-State fans, and I've taken, I think, some flack for this, like should be concerned that the special teams are probably going to fall off. Like I, be, I believe they probably will. Like if you're asking, do I think they're going to fall off? I think they probably will a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but, the, but should they be concerned or, or lose or be really worried about it? Not necessarily. And, you know, the thought is, but the reason I think they're going to fall off is, is kind of simple. Like they don't have a special teams coordinator anymore. And they went from spending probably an excessive amount of practice time on it that maybe they shouldn't yeah. have, you know, now to a regular amount. So like anything in life, if you go from overstaffing something probably and spending too much time on it, its performance is probably going to fall, you know, but that doesn't mean it's the wrong move. You know, if the, you know, the net gain by spending more time on offense and defense cancels that out, then you could be worse on special teams and still be okay. 
that's not to say it doesn't matter. You guys, I mean, you guys know that. Obviously, it does. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, it doesn't have to be, and you didn't say this either, but it doesn't have to be that the special teams fall off and it destroys K-State. Special teams could dip a little bit, but if the other units go a little bit better, it may not cause a noticeable difference, you know, or and maybe even not, a, not even negative at all, you know, as far as how K-State plays. But I'd be surprised, and people remember, like you said, it slipped them last year, but I'd be surprised if – K-State still is returning, you know, what seems like four or five kicks for touchdowns a year, all this kind of stuff that was happening forever. I don't, I don't think that's going to continue to happen, but it's probably still a good allocation of time and resources not to do all that. Yeah. And this, uh, you know, reminds me of a concern we had just a couple of years ago when they really started to change some of those rules, like with kickoffs and moving things yeah. up and pushing the, the, you know, the touchback rule up and, and like, well, how is that going to, you know, affect the Snyder team? And I think we started to see that those last couple of years that they just, you That's know, a good point. weren't making returns the way they used to and because of all these rule changes. And so now, you know, they were spending an inordinate amount of time on a unit that can't affect the game as much as it could even, you know, six or seven years ago. And so yep. now we're maybe just using that time a little bit more wisely on an area that you can't gain that advantage the way – Snyder was always able to do so in the past. Yeah, and I think K-State had a hard time accepting that because of everything you guys have laid out. Like, they were so successful with it. And it was such a big part of what K-State and what, you know, was good about. And they did a great job with it. It was great. But like you said, the rules literally changed. It's not one of those things where somebody's opinion on <laughs> special teams changed, you know, where those no, – no, like, literally, they moved the kickoffs up, you know? So everybody, if they wanted to, could just kick it through the end zone. I mean, that's the thing that I think and they that made it more advantageous to, you know, fair catching, even on, you know, on kickoffs catching. and stuff. Right. Yeah, it's exactly. like, well, let's get exactly. the ball to 25. You know, it's not a big deal anymore. Exactly. They, I mean, like, I, I mean, they, you guys have nailed it. Like, and I think that's the problem, you know, that you just can't, you can still impact it. None of us are saying you can't. None of us are saying that that still can't win and lose games. It absolutely can and will here and there, but just not the rate it used to. And realizing that, as much as it's you know frustrating for a, a school that was great at that, probably is helpful for them. Yeah. Well, I I just hope Blake Lynch can have a big year because I'm a little biased as a soccer player maybe, but I, I feel like he's one of the coolest stories on the roster. You know? Oh yeah. So. Well, nice. he he is, and he's a legitimately like I think he got undersold by Snyder. You know, I think he was a better kicker, and, and not that Snyder did it on purpose. Snyder, but I thought Snyder with all the all, he's a great little guy stuff. Like, and Snyder meant all that, and that was him loving him. I know that. I'm not knocking it, but it, I think it convinced people that he was just a cool guy, and he's a good kicker. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that gets undersold some, so I'm with you. I hope he has a... I, I think he will have a really good year, too. Yeah. So, looking ahead, and we won't make you go through all the games, but, I mean, you look at non-conference play, and I feel like you know, most people that are looking at this rationally say, okay, K-State should win the first two and then probably right. lose Missouri State. So what are encouraging signs that, that we should look for, you know, beyond just the wins and losses? Yeah, I'm with you. I'd, I'd say I would guess two and one. I mean, I mean, I would like to see a season opener where K-State is clearly better than an FCS team. I mean, that seems, you know, like a little thing. And I know, you know, but I mean, I can think of a number. And it's not just, it's not just last year's. Think about even in good seasons, you know, the Eastern Kentucky 10-9 game, you know, I mean, that like the I think it was Missouri State and Snyder's first year back. Like, it would be nice and encouraging for me to see K-State physically handle an FCS team. And then it doesn't have to be 55 to nothing. It could be 38 to 17, you know, and I would say, yeah, that that's encouraging to see. So I think that would be a good thing to see is that that first game doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a two-touchdown comeback in the fourth quarter to win it. 
I think, you know, Bowling Green, I think a game where, you, you know, I think they're going to be worse than Nichols. So I hope you would see probably the most dominant performance of the season from, and then, and then Mississippi State, like it's so cliche to say, and it's not like smart football talk for me to say this, but like, I just hope they really compete. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know what the score, if that's a seven point game or a win or a 14 point loss, but like, I hope we don't leave it thinking, man, they just got outgained 580 to 220 and it felt worse than that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's a low bar, maybe. Maybe that's not a high enough bar for what I want from the non-conference schedule. But if those three things happen, I'll think, well, they're better. They're better. You know, they're better than they were last year. And in the first year of a new coaching staff, that's a good accomplishment, you know, to already, already be better. I think that's attainable. Yeah. yeah. And just to remind everybody, I think Nichols was what, number 11 in the preseason FCS yep. school. So, you know, anybody yep, that BK, follows BKU and Lawrence last year, yeah. Anybody that follows our boss John Morris knows that, that not all FCS teams are created equal. So that's <laughs> a very important point. <laughs> I, I once had like a, a joke for like FCS. We were covering FCS like down there. You know, the, the North Dakota State game I was like, man, they should. You know, because they only have what do they have? What are their scholarship limits? I forget already. Fifty. They have sixty-three. Yeah, um, twenty-two less. Yeah, sixty-three. And I remember like, man, they got sixty-three scholarships and they're beating all these Power Five teams. Like they're like their slogan should be less is more, you know, <laughs> like having less scholarship players and they're better and that yeah. kind of stuff. And no, there's some legit ones for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, before we let you go, I had a couple other kind of just random questions. I had one first, too. Before, okay. Yeah. So first of all, you know, <laughs> we know we don't hear a lot of, about him anymore, but we know Bill Snyder is not gone. What right. What is his impact on the program at this point? Uh, I mean – none you know and I, I don't know the right words to say I mean n- none I, I don't know I don't know that him and Chris Kleiman have ever been in a room together and spoke even to this point I know Chris Kleiman had, at the Big 12 media days and he didn't say it in the disdainful like oh we don't like it was it was very classy Chris Kleiman like somebody asked him about Bill Snyder and he's kind of said this a number of times he's been relatively honest and said like yeah well I respect what he did and I love what he did and what he did helped us but you know I, I may not talk about what he, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. somebody asked him again about it and he said, and I think he said, no, we haven't, we haven't really spoke. I mean, so, and I don't know that, I don't think it's some really hateful, uh, hate thing from either side or a disrespect or even a dislike. And I don't think that's from Snyder either, but, but probably none. I don't think he's involved uh, at all. And there could be different opinions on that, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure none. I don't think there's really any impact at least now then we could get, talk about, you know, uh, what's the word philosophical impacts you know that kind of stuff but but i mean but in general none you know nothing nothing really involved what, what's the over under on bill snyder cameos we see on the camera every game oh my goodness <laughs> oh i love geez louise i mean one game or over the course of the season like what number are we looking for you think because it, it's it'll be a lot yeah yeah should be fun. Now, JT, so you had, yeah. you had a question? Yeah, okay. So this is super random. and Yeah. But so one thing I noticed from all these pictures, and I and it could just be because we're seeing more of, of what's going on, uh, especially like all the, the pictures you guys post up on your site, which is which is great. Thank but you. it just – you have to give me your impression because you actually have seen these guys up close. But it, it just looks like these guys are bigger than they used to be. Not like – like taller, yeah. or, you know, they didn't just say, suddenly gain, t- you know, two inches in height or something, but they look right. like they've maybe bulked up a little bit. Even the defensive backs, like they don't look, there were times where I thought some of our guys look scrawny, even like the bigger no guys, doubt. like, like, man, I could, like I could put on 20 pounds and, and you wouldn't notice. And now it looks like they've done that. Like they look more like 
Division One football players. Maybe that's just me, you know, new glasses and all that. But yeah, is that how it? I feels don't think like it is at practice. It, yeah, it does. I, now, and it's just like you said, like it's not night and day different. And you said, I mean, again, you made clear you weren't saying that. It's not like all of a sudden these guys have all put on fifty pounds and look like body. But I mean, but it is different. You know, they do look, I mean, and every roster is going to have guys that look different year to year. But, man, there's some guys who look significantly different. You know, like you were talking about, look, I mean, Wyatt Hubert looks like a different person. So does Bronson Massey. So does Reggie Walker. You talk about defensive backs. You know, Walter Neal looks different. A.J. Parker looks different. Jonathan Durham looks different. I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of, Jonathan Alexander is a new guy, but, oh, my goodness. Like, and and it's not by accident. Like, and I know one of their criticisms, and it's one of mine, I'll own it, of, you know, Bill Snyder's program the last few years is just over-conditioning and using strength and conditioning as a means to instill toughness and, you know, uh, instill the culture of your program over making explosive athletes. And you can do both of those things. Um, It is possible, and I don't think K-State was doing that the last few years. And so I think you see bodies that look different now is because they're not conditioning after practice. They're not running to condition all the time. Their strength and conditioning is to build better athletes. That's the number one goal, not to be the toughest team in the fourth quarter because we ran, you know, forever. Um, And listen, I'm not just talking trash on that because they won a lot of games in the fourth quarter the last four, five, six years. And, And they would tell you that, and they'd be right. They also had a lot of seasons that got off to really slow starts because their legs were dead for the first month of the year. Well, you, you bring up that point. At, you know, it's something I've, I've talked about with other people a lot lately is the entire philosophy on conditioning has changed in the last probably, right. I mean, even the last 10 years. Because, I mean, these guys are working out year round. They've got, you know, dietitians and nutritionists. They've got the training table. They have constant access yep. to facilities. It's just entirely different. You don't have guys going home after practice and chowing out on five McDonald's cheeseburgers and right. or loafing around all you know spring doing nothing because they don't have to. I mean, it's just, it's all different now and you don't need to run players like you did even, you know, in the mid nineties right. to, to be better than everybody else. Right. And that's the thing. And that's, and that's why we're not, and we're not trying to knock the idea of it because it did work tremendously for a long time. And it was necessary at one point because you're right. There was a lot of stuff you needed to literally physically get out of their system that they'd done for seven, eight, nine months. But that's just not sports anymore. Just like you said, you nailed it. That's not necessary. You still got to instill toughness. You guys know this. I'm, not, I'm a preacher to the choir. But, like, but yeah, it doesn't need to be what it was. And uh, it wasn't necessary anymore. But and, and at some point, it hurts you more than it helps you. Yeah. So related to that, I have a stupid question. Yeah. And, uh, JT and I were talking earlier this week about, and he informed me that the, the slogan itself comes from, I guess, Simon's physical guru or whatever, but right. what, what does pound the stone mean exactly? <laughs> and how are you going to do that with a pickaxe? <laughs> um, I tell you what, man, I love a lot. Of, I, I, I'm a big supporter of a lot of things that, you know, Chris Kleiman is doing and K-State's doing. And I think there's a lot of things that are really smart and really common sense, but the slogans, I'm not a big guy. I'm not, I'm not, I like slogans, but I don't love pound the stone. And I don't love, I don't love when's the dang day. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's a great question. We were talking, we had, I'm not making this up. We had this conversation as a KSO staff like two days ago. I'm like rowing the boat. At least I, at least I understand keep rowing the boat. In theory, you're going to yeah. get to the end of the lake or wherever you're going. <laughs> if you keep sawing wood, eventually you get through the log. And I guess you saw that piece of wood that you needed to have fire with. Like I can understand like what you're gaining, you know, from those. Like, what's pounding the stone get you, you know? I mean, I'm just, I'm just being funny, right? Right, exactly. Is that what you want? I guess if you need a gravel road, 
then I understand like the point of it. And I know I'm being stupid right now, and I understand that's not. And, and if, if the players buy it and it makes them work, huh? well, <laughs> makes them work hard, awesome. But man, and then win the dang day. First of all, it should be win that dang day because that's what he said, and it was cooler. <laughs> um, and two, when I heard that, I thought, man, that's awesome. But never did I think that six, seven months later, I'd see billboards that say win the dang day. <laughs> oh no okay i don't know if it's better in family but at least um, the the wing when the dang day feels natural like it's not something yeah. that you know some marketing team thought up like he Correct. was just you know in the moment and he's you know firing these guys up and says Let's win the dang day like okay i can i can feel that but like pound that, the stone that, feels a, like something some uh, you know I think know. tank thought up like okay this <laughs> is going to be your slogan for this year it's going to be great right. people are going to love it you could see it in like this black and white strobe light into a video of pound the stone with like a heartbeat behind it, you know, and all <laughs> right, this stuff. right. No, exactly. So, so I, I will say I prefer win the day or win the dang day because of that reason. I also win the day Colorado used to use win the day and like all mm-hmm. the time and like, not that he stole it from Colorado, but I can't help but think of like that being like their deal back yeah. in the day. So oh, well, well, I'm not trying to be a killjoy for every slogan. <laughs> like, well, no, was it Notre Dame's like, Play like a champion like today a champion, or something. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. We should have well, a little science. We can all agree. Play, we can all yeah, agree play like a, better than bring your yeah. power, power tell, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was working oh at Rivals God. in Nashville. I was working at Rivals in Nashville and that happened. And <laughs> somebody, told, somebody told me, like, we're in the office, like, have you seen this video? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And they're like, you have a power towel. And I remember, like, saying, you're not telling, like, you're lying. You're making this up. This isn't a real thing. And they showed it to me. And I just remember thinking, like, what? Like, I can't talk about K-State in the office anymore, like, ever again. Well, like, I mean, I was, I was in how... college at the time. Like, I was I was a student, and and yeah. all of us, like, we, you know, we just, we watched this thing the first time, like, what the crap is this? Like, right. who, what genius thought this was going to be a great idea? Exactly. Uh, but I, I mean, I just, say... I had, a, like, a Twitter conversation with uh, Ian Campbell, uh, it was a few weeks ago, but uh, he brought it up, like, how much he hates the power towel right. like his friends make fun of him because of the power towel video and how terrible it was and how he tried to stop it and it just it just would not happen and it's like nope we're gonna do a weird 80s rock video with willie and and that was right about right. the same time as the eco cat thing and it was just exactly. a big like, ball like of happened the same day. i know it didn't but i feel like it was yeah. the same day <laughs> right i tell you what though in all seriousness as terrible as that was, if they did that right now, I would think it'd be the funniest thing in the world. You know, if they did, if they did it again, like as a as a spoof of it, I think it'd be the greatest thing ever, and like I would love it. But to, but at the time, and presenting it as a serious thing, you know, yeah, like yeah. that wasn't that wasn't it wasn't like clever. It wasn't being ironic, you know. Like <laughs> uh, if it was, it would have been awesome, but it wasn't. It was real. Yeah. Good well. Time. Yeah, I, 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 as far as we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> I always appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to this season. Should be fun. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, I would do this anytime. I mean, sincerely. So I appreciate it very much. Awesome, man. If you haven't check out stuff on K State Online, um, I know you guys even, especially since like the preseason, you guys are really giving away a lot of free stuff, so you can decide if you want to pay the subscription fee or not. Yeah, 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 and like I said, I appreciate you mentioning it, and I would love your subscription, but I also understand, you know, not everyone loves to do a paywall, so yeah, I mean, there's lots of great content you can look at from you guys or us, whether it's free or pay, uh, but yeah, we'd love you to take a look at us um, when you give a chance, appreciate it. You still have that deal going on, right, with the 
like Adidas yeah, thing? Yeah, depending on when this is airing. Yeah, but I guess it's a preseason pod, so it has to air before, you know, before the first yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, if, if before the end of this month, if a person buys a new annual subscription, I mean, it's 100 bucks. It's a lot of money. I'm not lying. But, I mean, it's 25% off. You get for $75, and then you get a free $75 Adidas gift card, which I immediately get, immediately, all the KU. Like, as soon as I saw our deal, I was like, Adidas. Like, all they're going to say to me is KU, you know, but it's fine. They have good shoes and stuff, and, um, yeah, I think it's a genuinely pretty good deal. And it is a lot of money to invest. I agree, but I think if someone does it, I think they'll say, man, it's actually pretty cool and worth it. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks, JT. Thanks, guys. Okay. We'll see you guys later. Yeah. Yep. Signing off.